Amen. If you've got your Bibles while ushers is waiting upon you, you go ahead and turn to James chapter 4. This is our eighth uh, message on a series in the book of James that we're, we're doing on Wednesday nights. Um, we've, uh, we've, we've talked about a lot of things. We've, we've talked about uh, the tongue, you know, all those kind of things. We've got, you know, dealing with some stuff tonight. We're going to talk a little bit about um, submitting unto the Lord and listening to what he has to say and following uh, the Lord. And uh, so I want you to look with me in the, uh, in the book of uh, Ch- in James chapter 4. I want to look at the uh, verse number uh, 1, through, uh, 1 through 10. 1 through 10. James 4, 1 says this, Where do wars and fights come from among you? Now remember James here is the half-brother of Jesus. He's dealing with the church here. He's dealing with some practical things that's going on and taking place in the church. When you read these scriptures, really, you can say, well, really, that's, that stuff is going on today with us, Pastor Danny. It really is. There's a lot of things that's going on in the body of Christ. And, uh, and so James here is trying to deal with some of those things to help the body of Christ. And he says, where, where do fights come from and wars from among you? Do they not come from your desires and for pleasure that war in your members? You lust and you do not have. You murder and covet and you cannot obtain. And fight and war, yet you do not have because you do not ask. You ask and you do not receive because you ask amiss, that you may spend it on your pleasures. Adulterers and adulteresses, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Whoever, therefore, wants to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Or do you think that the scripture says in vain, the spirit who dwells in us yearns jealously? But he gives more grace, therefore, he says, God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Therefore, the scripture says in verse 7, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he'll draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Lament, mourn, and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he will lift you up. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he will lift you up. Every one of us in here probably has read Scripture enough to understand that at the beginning, the Bible talks to us about what we now refer to many times at Easter as Holy Week, as uh, triumphant entry, all of those things, when Jesus rode uh, the donkey into Jerusalem that, that day and they put palm branches out in front of him, right? They was welcome, welcoming him there. At that point, probably we could say that he, in that area, he was probably the most uh, popular guy in that area. Everybody had heard about the things that Jesus took place. Everybody had heard about his miracles. Everybody had sat around probably and listened to his teaching. They watched him, uh, you know, uh, open blinded eyes. They watched him feed the, the thousands just with fish and bread. They watched all of these things, and he's come to this climatic moment into Jerusalem where he was coming in on this donkey, and, and crowds and, and would, 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 would get uh, line the streets, and they begin to put their cloaks and, the, and palm branches and all of these things in front of him. And they just sort of like laid a red carpet, if you will. And then five days later, they begin to cre- say crucify him. One of the most popular guys of the day, five days, and they turned against him. And they began to say, crucify him. You, gotta have to, you have to ask yourself, what in the world took place in those five days 
that would cause that group of people who put palm branches and laid their clothes down in front of him and, and they worshiped the king crying, Hosanna, and all of these things. And in five days, they were exactly the same ones that said, crucify him. And Jesus rode into Jerusalem with all the crowds following after him. When you look in this scripture, he basically was giving them the opportunity to make a decision. He knew why he came. A lot of his disciples didn't understand what he was fixing to do. He spoke to them many times, probably even in scripture that we read about. But I, I, would, have, I would venture to say that many nights, Sister Jeanette, when they sat around the campfire, he spoke to them. These are the things that's fixing to come to pass. You need to be aware of this. I stand here tonight as your pastor, and probably you've listened to television ministers and other people say, look, the coming of the Lord is at hand, right? And so basically we're doing the same thing like Jesus done to his disciples. You need, guys, listen, listen, there's some things that's coming to pass. You need to be aware of this. You need to be ready for these events to take place in your life. And, and when he rode into Jerusalem, he was basically giving them an opportunity to make a decision. The simple was very simple. Would they submit their lives to Christ? Would they simply choose to follow him? Would they, as you've heard many times, take up the cross and follow the Lord? We know according to Scripture that some did actually follow him. Others rejected him. In many ways, the same scene when we, when we talk about this is, is still being played out week after week, week after week in our churches. Week after week, ministers of the gospel will stand behind a pulpit, Brother Adam, and, and they'll, they'll encourage and they'll sometimes beg and, and they'll sometimes try to persuade those that's lost to come to know the Lord Jesus Christ before it's too late. Some, many times, even you, throughout the week, you have people and family and friends that you've tried to talk to and witness to and, and you persuade them. There's been people in my life that I've literally begged and cried while I was begging, pleading with them to turn their life over to the Lord, and yet they refused to follow Christ. They refused to follow the Lord. You've heard my testimony and sometimes when dad, when I was a kid growing up a teenager, he would, he would be up there preaching and sometimes I felt hell burning within me, you know. It's almost, and, I would, and I would grab the back of the pews. I was raised in a preacher's home. I knew this thing. I knew this church stuff. I, I knew how to act like, you know, having church. But Sister Eloise, I would grip the back of the pew and, and I, I knew conviction was on me and I knew I needed to be down to the altar, but yet so, for some reason I couldn't figure it out. I, it, wouldn't, it wouldn't turn me loose and let me go. That was the enemy. Now, many times I did turn loose, and I did go down, and I was thankful for that. But week after week, this is played out in our circles, in our churches, in our, in our paradigms, so to speak, of workplaces or whatever the case may be. Here's the thing that we know. Jesus comes in our direction. We all want the good from him. We all want to be blessed, do we not? We want to be healed. We want all of the blessings that we can get, but we sometimes have difficult in submitting or committing everything over to the Lord. They was having the same issue back in James' day. James was even asking, say, look, you're warring and you're fighting amongst yourself. Where do these things come from? Have you ever asked yourself, where do they come from? Do they not come from your selfish things that's going on in your life? Do they not come from your inward desires and those thought processes that you, that you have going on? And, and really, when you think about it, it's, it's going on with us today. 
Have you ever asked yourself, when you get into a fuss with somebody, why, why do we feel it necessary to say our piece? Have you ever asked yourself that? Why, why do we feel it so necessary to say something? Is it because we want to get the other person? Maybe. But is it because the other person just looks at us a certain way? We've, not really. When you really think about it, we've got, we've got to say something because it's in us. We can't hold it back, can we? We feel like we're going to bust if we don't just say something right or wrong. It's, it's really with us. And James says, this, is, these, is these things not coming from, from inside where you are? This word submit here in scriptures is a, is a really, really interesting word. The word submit. Everybody say submit. When you look at this word, it comes from a military word. And we, get the, even, we even get a root word called a hypno, where we get the word hypnosis. Hypnosis. Anybody ever been hypnotized before? You don't have to raise your hand. <laughs> but hypnotized. Sometimes people go in and get hypnotized to stop habits. They, they want to quit smoking or they want to do whatever, and they'll, they'll go in and get hypnotized. We see on television programs, and probably it doesn't, uh, they do it in real life where in, in crime dramas or whatever, somebody go in and, and they can't remember, you know, things that they saw, and they'll hypnotize them, hoping to bring back up those, those thought processes. But, they, but in other words, the person submits to the hypnosis. They submit their will. They submit who they are over to that individual. Now, we need to be careful not to take it too far, but, but it, it, basically for us, it means that we allow ourselves, when we submit to God, we allow ourselves to come under the authority or to come under the control of God Almighty. He is in control, is he not? He is in charge. I'm not in charge. I may think I'm in charge, but I'm not in charge. You may think that you're in charge, but you're not in charge. Well, Brother Danny, I, I've made my agenda out. Yeah, you have, but God can alter your agenda. God can change some things. How many of you ever got just one phone call and it changes the course of the day? There's things that can be changed. How many of you, and I want to have a little fun with this just real quick before we dive into this. How many of you, when we talk about the word cement, how many of you are, are old wrestling fans? I'm talking about the old time wrestling, you know. And, and let me see your hands right quick. I used to watch wrestling now, and I used to laugh at it sometimes, but I used to watch wrestling. I don't watch any of the new kind of wrestling. I don't, I, don't, I don't care for it. They use language I don't care for. It's sort of just weird. But the old-time wrestling, I don't know how they've got them up here. I want, I want to show you something. Put this picture up. Can anybody tell me who that is right there? Huck Hogan and who? Ric Flair. What is that that they're doing? Yeah, but it's a submission hold. It's a submission hole. Watch, look at the next picture. Who is that? Anybody know? Dusty Rhodes. We got a real wrestling fan right here. <laughs> Hardly everybody don't remember Dusty Rhodes. Do you all remember watching those uh, on Saturday mornings? Put the next picture up, brother. Andre the Giant. Very good. Next. Who's that up in the top right there? Jerry Lawler, the king. He just lives down the road just a few miles. How many remembers the Moon Dogs? Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. I don't think I got a picture of them, but I should have put a picture of them. They're, they were really something to look at. And they just down in Osceola area, wasn't they? In that area down in there. Yeah, what's this next picture? Anybody know who that is? I don't know who it is either. <laughs> show me somebody. Show me somebody else. Rick Hart, okay. The next one? Oh, that's all of them? Okay, I, uh, I, I had down here, I, I, had, I, had two, I had two things, two of them that I wanted to put, but we couldn't find them, the picture that I wanted. We, how many remembers Bam Bam Bigelow? 
How many remembers the junkyard dog <laughs> that carried around the big bone? Every one of these guys, when you turn on the television set on Saturday mornings and, and you would watch these wrestling episodes, almost every one of them would go to a leg lock or something they would have a name for it, but basically it would be a submission hold. And when they would go to that submission hold, the person, whether, whether they were standing up or whether they were on the mat or whatever, they would tap the person saying, I can't handle it no more, let me up, or tap the mat. You remember that? And, and, they, would, and they would give up. That was one of the, the signature wrestling moves back, back in the day. When you think about this, and I said, Brother Danny, that is, that is so weird you put stuff like that to talk about submission, but think about it. One of the biggest obstacles that we face today is considering to be a follower or submitting unto the Lord. Submitting unto the Lord. You say, what are you talking about? God, we, we come in and we get saved and, and we're doing everything right. Our family is, is, is doing what it's supposed to do, Sister Mavis, and things is just clicking in our life, and all of a sudden God asks something of us. And basically he puts us in a submission hold. That's a good thing, but we don't view it as a good thing. And without thinking it and without saying it, we tap out. God, I can't handle this. can't handle it. I'm okay with just coming to church and listening to good worship and listening to good singing and listening to good preaching and all those kind of things. But boy, what you've asked me to do, that, I don't know that I can do that. And we, we tap out with God. When God wants to take us and move us in the direction and stop some of the fightings, and stop some of the warring, and stop some of the bickering, and stop some of the things that we're warring with on the inside within the church, within the body of Christ. Paul says it this way in Galatians 5 and 17, for the flesh lusts against the spirit, the spirit against the flesh, and these are contrary to one another, so that you do not do the things that you wish to do. You don't do the things that you wish. Now, every one of us, and, I, and, and I'm not going to take time to ask questions here, but every one of us in this place tonight, I, I would almost bet, if you was a betting person, every one of us knows the difference between right and wrong, right? We was taught that growing up. Some may be different. You was taught different ways of different things when I was growing up. But basically, morally, we all know those things. And if we're not careful, we, ch we choose not to submit to what God says in his word because, well, I just don't believe that, Pastor. Well... Can I, can I just be truthful with us here and, and be loving at the same time? It don't matter what we believe to be right. It's what the Lord says is right. It's what the Scripture says is right. It doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't matter if, I, if I've tried to justify things, whether it's right or wrong or whatever the case, Brother Keith. I, I've got to follow. We talked about this a little bit today. We've got to follow what the Word says. I, I've, got to, I've got to somehow line my life up and my decisions up with what, the Word says, because that's, that's why he left it for us. That's why he gave it to us. He gave it to us for inspiration, to, to help us, to guide us, to strengthen us, to lead us in the direction that we need to go. And the, and the people of, of, of James's day, they were getting involved in some of the same things. James was trying to come against this thing, and he's, he's trying to talk to them, as a pastor really would to a church. And he's talking to these people, saying, look, this is some things you've got to consider here. A war over who will be in control over our lives. And, if, and, if when, you, and when you look at that, and, and y'all could probably testify to this, if you war with God about who is in charge of your life, you ain't going to have no peace. 
You're not going to have any peace whatsoever. Peace and war cannot get along together. They can't live in the same house. You struggle and you fight all the time. And so James gives us at least three things here to consider. The first thing James tells us this, he says, look, there's there's a spiritual conflict going on on the inside of us, and the source of the conflict, really when you look in verses 1 and 3, is selfishness on our part. He says, they're not wars and fighting. Where where do these things come from? They're coming from inside you. Don't blame the other person. It's it's you. You've got to look back at you. Now, now when you think about this, really, this is really basic stuff when it comes to following Christ. But it hasn't changed since James' day, or probably even before. People war. They fussed with one another. The Israelites, they fussed when they got out of Egypt. They fussed while being in Egypt. They fussed by eating what they ate. They fussed by being slaves. God delivered them. He brought them to a land. And then they get out there and they get stuck at the Red Sea. and say, why couldn't we just stay in Egypt? At least, at least there's graves there we could be buried in. I mean, they ain't got nothing, but at least they're, they're there. At least we had some leaks. You know, there's some things that we could, we could, we could eat there, but what, what are we going to do? Now we got the Red Sea in front of us. We got the, we got the Egyptian army behind us. And, and never could open their eyes up to the fact of seeing the handiwork and the miracle-working power of Almighty God. They had to be showed constantly, constantly. And you bring it up to where we are today, and typically that's exactly the same people that we are today. We're fighting wars and rumors of wars and all these things. He said, look, there's a selfishness problem going on. And when we look at pleasure in our lives as our primary goal, we have issues. Look, James uses these words here. Is there fights? Is there, is there quarrels? Is there battles, killing? There's war going on inside of us. And God all the time wants to control those things. And, 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 and when he wants to control, we'll let him have a little bit, but there's part of me that I want to control, right? There's part of me that I feel like I have to control in my life. How many of you would, 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 would uh, be honest and just let me know truthfully that there's things in your life that even if you're married, that you don't, you don't even want your spouse to do because you want to do it, because you don't think they can do it right. Yeah. We all have been there. We all have done that. Now, I'm not giving specifics because I don't want to get into trouble. But y'all have been through the same issues, same issues. But we all have things that we feel like, if you'll just get back and turn it loose, I'll take care of this thing. If you just get your hands off of it, I, I can take care of this thing, right? We won't say it sometime, but that's what we're thinking. Get your hands off of it. I, I, I'll, I'll deal with it. And, and James says, look, you're wanting to control things that's really not your area of expertise. God is in control here. We want God in our lives, but we're afraid that we may have to give up something, and we'd rather keep the something instead of give it to God. And God all the time is saying, if you'll just give it to me, I'll... I'll take care of you. Just give it to me. I'll I'll, I'll take care of it. Second thing I noticed, James says, look, as a result of this conflict, you're you're in rebellion. You're in rebellion against God. The Bible tells us in what place that rebellion is as of what? Witchcraft. We all think witchcraft is bad, but we don't even, we don't, we don't, we don't put the rebellion and witchcraft a lot together, but the Lord did. He said rebellion is, is, is as witchcraft. We, I mean, we say stay away from the voodoo stuff. Stay away from that, that scary stuff. Stay away, stay away from those, those demonic things. And we, we need to. But we don't even think about our rebellion and when rebellion rises up within us. You know what I'm talking about, right? 
rebellion. Y'all know what rebellion is, correct? A child does that sometimes when they're growing up. They'll rebel against you. You want them to do this, but they'll rebel, do the opposite thing, right? Sometimes spouses do that to you. Don't tell me not to buy that. Pastor, now you're stretching a little bit. I know I am, but something to consider. <laughs> rebellion. And, 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 and rebellion is one of those things that we, we resist to God's leading. We resist God's leading us and, and pointing us in the direction. We're trying to love one when we're, when we're made for the other and, 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 and we're loving that person. We want to we come in unity with that person, but yet if you don't take your hands off of it, I'm going to kill you. We're in rebellion. We try to love the world when we were made for God. We try to love the world when we were made for God. I don't, I don't need to tell you this, but I'm going to tell you anyway. There is so much of the world that's taking up our time today, it's unbelievable. It's unbelievable. There's so much of the world and activities, and, and, and what I'm saying here, the, the, the activities that I'm, I'm speaking about, they're not necessarily wrong. There's, it's not necessarily nothing wrong with it. But somehow or another, we've missed the balance of how to balance the thing. And we've, and we've, we've slid far over here to, to the world side and all these, these wonderful things and these exciting things and, and I want this for my child and I want this for our family and I want all of this and I feel like I've got to do this and this and that in order to accomplish that and I don't have but a good maybe 40, 50 years to work and, and, and retire and all these things when I'm, when I'm able to get up there because I, I want to retire at a certain age and I want to have a certain amount of money in the, in the bank account and I, want, and I want a certain kind of home and, and I want to be retired down here and I want a lake and I want a boathouse and I want all and we go on and on. And on. It'll stress you out, won't it? And if we're not careful, we'll allow those things to, to come in and play and get in the way of our relationship with God. Not that any of those things are bad. All of them are wonderful. And if you've planned for the future and you've done that, then more power to you and God bless you. You've, you've taken care of your family. That's how I look at it. But if those things begin to get in the way of our walk with God and our relationship with God, then we're in rebellion against God. Some of you are, are basketball stars, and I didn't even put his picture up because I didn't even want to look at him. How many remember, remembers the guy by the name of Dennis Rodman who plays basketball? Dennis Rodman, every time you saw Dennis Rodman, he looks differently. He'd have a new tattoo. He'd have a new earring. He'd have a new change of clothes. A lot of times it was women's clothes. One time he wrote a book called I Can Be a Bad uh, Something All By Myself or something, and he, he showed up at the book signing with a wedding gown on, a white wedding gown. He had white hair, bleached his hair out white, nose rings. And I, I'm, I'm not talking about nose rings and tattoos tonight. I'm just I'm, I'm, I'm trying to draw a picture. He, he said I can be, he wrote this book called Bad As I Want to Be. Bad As I Want to Be. And, and here's the thing that, that, that gets me sometimes. We have people like him, and I don't know him, and I'm not, I'm, 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 I, don't, don't, I don't want to sound like I'm judging him, okay? So I, I just want to make a point. But you have people like that in our world that have come out on the scene, and it seems like thousands will flock to him to get, their autograph, to get his autograph. And it seems like that the badder they are, that the more following they'll have. You ever notice that? You can have the baddest rock group whatsoever. 
Ozzy Osbourne in his day, he was a bad dude as far as singing goes. Now, I don't know if you like that kind of music, but, you know, here's a guy that he sung all kind of demonic kind of songs. He bit the head off of a dove in one concert, symbolizing biting the Holy Spirit. That's what he, he'll tell you, symbolizing biting the head off of, of the Holy Spirit. He brought religion, religion into his concert, but yet thousands would flock this guy. We got another guy that was a Baptist minister's son, if I'm not mistaken, called Marilyn Manson. You remember him? To look at this guy, I mean, he's scary to death. This guy was a bad dude. I mean, just look at this guy. And I didn't put any pictures like that, but I could show you some pictures that'll freak you out with this guy. And he would write 666 and upside down, and he'd, he'd do everything possible to blaspheme what you would consider blaspheme the Lord or the blaspheme the Holy Spirit and come against Christianity and all of these things. But yet thousands of people would follow him. Let's come up to where we are today. We have folks in our land today that get naked, jump on a wrecking ball, and saying, I came in like a wrecking ball. And thousands would follow her. Want autographs. All kinds of things. This same young lady got on stage one night, and there was another man there, and she'd done all kind of lewd obscenities in front of national television, thousands and millions of people, and we all flocked. Now, you say, Pastor, why, why, why are you, you bringing this up? Let's, let's, let's go again. Pete Rose, baseball fan. He done things like bet against his own team, you know. He, you, you know the story behind him. Alex Rodriguez, who was a great baseball player, talking about using steroids. And we could go on and on, you know, and, but the public falls in love with these folks. And I'm not saying, please don't take it, good or bad. I'm just, I'm giving you some examples here. And, and God will allow you this is, what, this is the point I want to make. God will allow us to be as bad as we want to be. But there is still going to be consequences at some point in time. There's still going to be times that we're going to have to, we're going to, have to face up and fess up. And God is, and James here is telling us, look, there's a word submission here. That if you and I can learn to submit unto the Lord, if we can learn to submit who we are, unto Christ, if we can give our life over to the Lord. We live under the mistaken impression that there's, that there's three ways to live life. We can live life God's way, Satan's way, and our way. But the, but the problem with that is, no, there's really two ways. It's not going to be your way. If you're not living for God, you're living for the enemy. So we live God's way or we live the enemy way. And James here tells us in this chapter 4, said, look, there's a spiritual war going on, and it's still happening today. There's a spiritual conflict going on. Now, we could list a lot of things in this, in this title right here with spiritual conflicts going on. It could be an inner thing. It could be a relational thing. It could be a marital thing. It could be a friendship thing. You could go on and on and on and on and on. But there is a spiritual war. And, 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 and here's what I want you to get tonight. If you don't get nothing else, we have lost sight of the fact of this. We know there's a spiritual war going on. But sometimes, oh, no, let me, let me back up. We know there's a war going on, but we're, we're, our eyes are blinded to the spiritual side of it. We think we can take care of it. If I got an issue with you, I think I can take care of it. You know, we, we deal with it. But listen, there's a spiritual thing taking place among, amongst us in the church, in the church body. 
There's a spiritual dimension that we've got to look at. And the enemy has us blinded so often. And the enemy causes our eyes to get off of this thing and put it on here because really that's what you need to look at. So the enemy met with Eve in the garden and said, look, the Lord, you can take a part of that. You can take a part of that tree. He's not going to kill you. He, he loves you. He created you all that. You, you, you're, you'll, be, you'll be equal with God. He, you're not, you, you, you don't need to listen to him. And had her blinded. But not only was her, she blinded, but Adam was blinded as well. Because he, they knew what God had said. And we, and, we, and we take these things that God says. How can I put this? We take these things that God says and we listen to them over and over and over again. And they begin to be, for lack of a better word, they begin to be crusted in our mind. They begin to be crusted over in our mind and we don't see the real truth. I love watching these old antique and restoration shows. You know what I'm talking about? You find something and it don't look that good, but if you begin to work with it, you begin to knock off the rough edges and you begin to restore it, you begin to look at it, it begins to be a beautiful thing once you start working. That's the same way it is with us. Same way it is with us. Raymond, you'll like this. Look at me. There's a six-pack here. You can't see it, but it's there. Now, I don't know if you'll ever see it, but it's there. All right? And so, and so you begin to work with it and, and it, and it finally comes to light. And God looks at us and he says, look, there, there's just some issue. There's a few little issues here that you guys, we got to deal with. There's some mission things. But if you can get this straight, there's some promises there. There's some victories that's there. There's some, there's some things and places I want to take you to, but you can't get there because of all the crusted over stuff. That's in your life. And we've got to, we've got to get all, uh, help me here, Lord. We, we, we've got to get all the stuff out of the closet and get rid of it. We've got to get all the stuff that's keeping and hindering us. And basically, that's what James is saying. He said, look, you know, your pride is getting in the way. Your submission, you know, you have a, you have a rebellion problem. You have a submission problem. We don't, we don't, we're not, you're not submitting like you're supposed to submit. And there's a war and there's, there's, there's conflicts that's, that's going on. James tells us, he said, there's 10 commands that, that he gives us in this passage. He said, you've got to submit. You've got to resist. You've got to come near. You've got to wash yourself. You've got to purify yourself. You've got to grieve even at times. There's mourning you've got to do. There's, there's some wailing sometimes that you've got to do spiritually. Boy, that's heavy right there when you think about it. I mean, there's some times in my life a little old simple cry ain't going to be good enough to make me feel better. There's some times I've got to wail before God. Sometimes I've got to get along with God and just, just get real with him. You understand? You understand? I mean, you, you, we can put on a face long enough, but there's times we just got to get the face off. Got to get the mask off and, and well before the Lord. We've got we to humble ourselves. Humble ourselves before the Lord. Humble ourselves. Humble ourselves. And, and, when, and, and when, when we do that, then the transformation will take place in our life. Jesus told us this parable in Luke chapter 14. He said, Or what king going to make war against another king does not sit down first to consider what he's able with 10,000 to meet him who comes against him with 20,000? Or else while the other is still a great way off, he sends a delegation to ask conditions of peace. So likewise, whoever, whoever of you does not forsake all, we could add that word submit all, give all unto the Lord, you cannot be my disciple. You can't be my disciple. So there's a submission there. There's a thing that I've got, to, I've got to let go of. I've got to let go of some stuff 
in order to be a, a disciple of Christ. And what that means is, is when I come to do battle with God, I've got to understand one thing. When I come to do battle with God, I ain't going to win. I'm not going to win. He's going to win every time. He's going to win every time. And so you've got a two, you, got a, you, you have two choices in your life. You can either listen to him or not listen to him. You can either submit to him or not submit to him. We have that choice to make. Again, get back to the thing I told you earlier. There's been people in my life that I've talked to and tried to witness to that I've literally begged <coughs> on hands and knees, tears flowing, begged them to turn their life around. They run from it. <coughs> Only to discover a few weeks or a few months or a few years down the road that life didn't end up too good for them. Didn't end up. And so we have, we have to learn to submit. Here's the, here's the tough part. A relationship with God is all or nothing. If you're going to have a relationship with God, it's all or nothing. Now, I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings, but let, 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 me, let me stop here long enough to say, now I'm including myself here. Well, David, if I come to the house of the Lord and I'm not right with God, I can raise my hand all I want to. It ain't going to do me no good. I can speak in tongues all I want to, but it ain't going to do me no good. I can shout all around this place all I want to, but it's not going to do me no good. The first thing I've got to do is repent. I've got to surrender to the Lord. I've got to submit to his leadership. I've got to submit to who he is. I've got to submit to his authority. I've got to submit to his lordship. I've got to, at some point in time, I've got to recognize it ain't about me. It's about the Lord. Will, will, will I give my life over to the Lord? And if, and if things get in the way, it begins to be a pride thing. I, I, you know, pride gets in the way. But James tells us four and six years, I've got to submit. When I resist the devil, the Bible says, he'll flee from me. Resist him and he'll flee from me. When I, when I submit to God, the Bible tells me if you submit to him, he will draw what? Near to you. He will draw near to you. Satan will be running away from you and God will be running to you. When I get this process the way that it needs to work, I'm going to resist the devil. I'm going to be humble when I come before him. I'm going to run after God. I'm going to follow after God no matter what. I'm going to resist him and, and, and things will happen. Submission, submission. The key to God's attention is found in that one word is submission. That's the key to his attention. When we are young, we live at home, it means that we submit, as we said earlier, to mom and dad. When we're in school, it means we submit to the teacher, those in authority of us. When we get out into the workplace, we learn to submit to those that's in leadership, that boss over us. We, we listen to our boss. When we give our lives to Christ, we submit to the Lord Jesus Christ. I mean, really, when you think about it, there's just no way to get around this thing, submission. You're going to submit to somebody, whether you like it or not. Every, every April 15th, somebody pays taxes at your house, right? You may not like it. How many likes it? I don't either. I don't like it at all. But I have to pay taxes. I have to pay taxes. I have to pay taxes. I've got to submit to the government. I've got to give to what the government says. I don't like some of those things, but we submit to that. And so we're not going to get away from that. I do have a picture uh, of this right here. Put this next picture up, Brother Scott. Anybody know who this is? Jim and Tammy. She's looking really good right there. I have saw her where you can't stand to look at her. I'm serious. I'm, I'm not being ugly. She had so much stuff on, I couldn't tell who she was. How many of you used to watch Praise the Lord 
PTL. Nobody? Used to watch it all the time. I loved it. I loved it. Had some great singing on there, great preaching. In its heyday, it was, I mean, in its heyday, it was, it was, it was going. I'm not going to give you an amount, but I'm going to tell you it's an astronomical amount of money that every week would come into that place. It would blow you away if I told you. You can go look it up. An astronomical amount of money. I believe with all of my heart that Jim and Tammy Baker, when they started out, done the right thing. I do. I believe their heart was right. I believe they wanted to get the message of Jesus Christ. Now we know it is TBN today. I'm not saying, I'm not trying to relate the two. I'm just saying that's the, that's the TBN is the, is the day. But back then it was PTL. PTL, that was the, that was the main Christian broadcasting network, uh, shows, all of these things. I believe their heart was right. Had some great teaching, all of those things. Brought people in. <clears throat> I don't know where it went wrong, and I'm not here to debate that tonight. But contributions come in a lot every week. But pretty soon, things got clouded. Pretty soon, the purpose of their ministry got a little obscure. Pretty soon, they begin to see the dollar sign versus what the Lord wanted to do. Pretty soon, people begin to see, well, your dog has a house that has air conditioning in it, and it's elaborate. And pretty soon, people begin to see, well, you're, you have four or five houses, and they're everywhere, and they're elaborate. And pretty soon, people begin to see that you're driving around a Rolls Royce and Mercedes Benz, and, and I'm not saying that it's wrong to do that. Y'all, you, you understand what I'm trying to say, right? But their, but their thought process got obscure. Jim Baker began to sell shares to this PTL, whatever, theme park, hotel, and it was, it was phenomenal. When you looked at the pictures, it was everybody wanted to go there. I mean, it was the place to be. You get off on vacation, and that's where you went. You went to, to South Mill, or where is Fort Mill, South Carolina. Fort Mill, South Carolina. And you wanted to go to praise the Lord, uh, whatever that was. Theme park, water park. Hotels everywhere, big tower of, of hotels. You could buy timeshares. And he began to sell more timeshares than actually what he had in rooms. And it caught up with him. I didn't put this picture up here because I don't like looking at it, to be honest with you. But how many remembers on the news one day, you saw Jim Baker coming out of a courthouse with handcuffs on and he, crying and just being drugged basically out and being sentenced. I could go on and on with ministries. Jim Baker is, is uh, many of y'all know they got divorced. Many of you know that Tammy Faye passed away. Jim is remarried. He's over in Branson, Missouri right now doing a uh, doing Christian ministry, doing a good, good, a good work. He really is. You can go watch his breakfast show over there. If you go over there, you can go catch up with him. He's white-headed. He don't look like that no more. But God has, has delivered him. God has saved him and set him free and doing a good work. But then it got in the way. There's all kind of issues that got in the way. And the word submission, somewhere lost. Um, he, he ended up in prison, stayed, I don't know, several years. But he wrote a book later on in his life, and this is, this is what I want to leave you with. And in every chapter of his book, Sister Mavis, he began to tell the story of what happened to him and Tammy Faye and PTL. And at the end of, I don't have the book, but you can go find the book, you can look it up. At the end of every chapter, this is what he said, I was wrong at the end of every chapter. He'd tell, he'd tell something else about what took place in his life and ministry, and he ended up, I was wrong. 
I was wrong. I was wrong. There, there comes a point when every one of us, at some point in our life, we have to admit I was wrong. There's nothing wrong with that. That's a, that's a good step, to be honest with you. We look at it from a negative standpoint, but it's, it's actually a positive thing. Because when you can come to the end of yourself and, and, and say, hey, I was wrong, you know, that's where you can begin. That's where you can start. That's where you can start over. Uh, you know, it, it, God's not wrong. We're wrong. And we blame God for this, and we'll blame God for that, and we'll blame one another for this, but, it's, but it's, you, we've got to look at us. We have to look at us. And, and James was trying to, trying to show us that from a practical standpoint in the Scriptures. There's an old story that, I, that you've heard me say. I've, I've told it probably two or three times, but I want to end it uh, tonight you know, about the old lighthouse. Lighthouse is standing there. He, the lighthouse tells a story. Captain of the ship is, is uh, captaining the ship. I know that ain't a word, but he's captaining the ship. And uh, he's out there sailing and all that, and he sees this lighthouse from a distance, and the lighthouse sees him, and, and the lighthouse sends a message, hey, turn, alter your degrees, 10, or alter your course, 10 degrees. The, 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 uh, the message was received, said, no, alter your course, 10 degrees. When the lighthouse done that, the captain of the ship, he got real angry, got upset, and, and because he, he was in charge, he, was, he had command. And so he, he sent a second message, said, alter your course, 10 degrees, I am a captain. Another message was received, and he said, no, alter your course, 10 degrees, I am a seaman, third class Jones. Immediately, the captain sent a third message. He said, knowing the, the fear that he didn't steal, he said, alter your course, 10 degrees, I am a battleship. The reply came back, says, alter your course, 10 degrees, I am a lighthouse. Communication got a little conscrewed there and mixed up a little bit, but... They knew at the lighthouse, you got you to move, you got to change. And too many of us, we act like this, this captain of the ship and we think we're in charge when we're really not in charge. And we try to tell God everything to do. We pick and choose what we believe from the Bible as if it was some kind of a buffet line for us. And I'll take more of this, less of that, whether it's, whether it's giving, whether it's tithing, whether it's obedience, whether it's talking and gossip and you, you, whatever you want to add there. I don't like this, I don't like that. And, and all that, and we, and we accept Jesus. We want him in our life, but yet there's other things that, that we want to hold on to, and it, it don't work like that. And the truth about it is, we know that life is short. And Brother Wendell, uh, he told me last Sunday, we were out in the, in the front area, front lobby out there, and it's true. How many, how many can agree with me that the older you get, the faster it is, faster life is, and life is short. Life is very short. Matter of fact, James even tells life is a what? A vapor. It appeared for a little while, and then it vanishes away. When I was 15, Brother Larry, I thought, boy, I had all kind of time left. I thought Daddy was old. Do you all know how old Daddy was when he moved to Cherry Street and moved to Blyville? Was you? Late? It wasn't early 30s. It was late 30s. What? I think I think it was late late 30s. You can count it up. It don't matter. Here's the point. When he moved to Blyville, I was a senior in high school, getting ready to be a senior in high school, Brother Keith. I was 16, 17, somewhere in there. And I thought my dad was old. <laughs> I remember thinking that. He's a I'm 55 tonight. 55 is young. 
I don't think I'm old. But I thought he was old at 38. Life is short. Life is short. We're here for a moment and then we're gone the next. As we said, the Bible talks about we're here just for a little time, a vapor. We're like a vapor. <laughs> it appears for a little while and then it, then it vanishes away. And so the point is, in our time that we have, this short life that we have, why not we as God's people live for Christ like there is no tomorrow? Why, why don't we live for God, tell other people about God, and have actions Christ-like and speech that's Christ-like and doing the things that God wants us to do as if there is no tomorrow because there's coming a day that tomorrow will not come. There is coming a day that tomorrow will not come. Whether we go by grave or the Lord comes in the ra- or, or, we, or we're taken in the rapture, His, our time is very, very short. And so James here was trying to say, look, there's a lot of strife among you. There's a lot of fightings and all these kind of things among you. And you've got to learn to submit to, before the Lord. You've got to learn to humble yourself before the Lord. You've got to learn that when you come before the Lord, come before him humbly with a contrite spirit. Not a haughty attitude. Not a haughty attitude. We've all been guilty of this thing about, God, why ain't you answered me yet? Why, why ain't you answered me yet? Well, we can't answer that question. I don't know. You don't either. But I still have to trust God. I still have to lean upon Him because God knows everything. By and by, we'll know. By and by, the scales will be taken off our eyes. Now we see dimly, but there'll come in a time I'll be able to see. I'll be able to know. Until then, I keep pushing forward. And I keep striving to be like Christ. Am I going to be successful every day? Probably not. Probably not. But thank God for grace. Thank God for his mercy. Thank God for his forgiveness. That I can ask forgiveness and I can move on with Christ. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you today. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your grace. Lord, we give you honor tonight. And we thank you, God, for everything that you mean to us. We bless you tonight, Jesus. We bless you tonight. I pray, God, that you just be with everybody that's here tonight. As they leave this place tonight, God, let them leave with a sense of an awareness, oh God, of their, of their time with you. And let them leave changed. Let them leave different. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.